0: A desert planet with twin suns. Why do I sense we've picked up another pathetic life form? Use my knowledge. Oh, much to learn you still have. Welcome back to Twin Sun Talks, folks. I'm your host, Shona Lu. Thank you so much for listening and happy Valentine's Day. Uh, staying on theme, we're going to be talking about Jedi romance, what is and isn't allowed. And yeah, let's just dive straight into some Trooper training. Gentlemen, who wants to be an Arctrooper? I do I find it only appropriate to start off by reading the Jedi Code, which states that there is no emotion, there is peace, there is no ignorance, there is knowledge, there is no passion, there is serenity, there is no chaos, there is harmony, and there is no death, there is the Force. And we need to kind of hone in on two of these kind of uh, dichotomies that are presented, and one of them is there is no emotion, there is peace, and one of them is there is no passion, there is serenity. So these both tie into the fact that there were no romantic attachments allowed in the Jedi Order because on a fundamental level they believed that emotions betrayed objectivity, and attachment was forbidden because the Jedi needed to operate in such a way that allowed them to see the bigger picture rather than be concerned with an individual person or, or being. And the passion and fear of loss that comes with romantic attachment can lead to selfish motives, which are not suited for the Jedi. And notice that this isn't a ban, like an explicit ban on love in general, because, because compassion is a major pillar of the Jedi, and so, like Anakin Skywalker says in Attack of the Clones, it's almost like they are encouraged to love. So, this may seem like a very glaring um, contradiction in their philosophy and in their doctrine, but it's interesting. And honestly, researching for this episode gave me a whole new perspective on how they viewed love and how they believed it should be expressed and how it should be um implemented within jedi a doctrine because love in their, their compassion is the root of their love which requires a certain amount of quote unquote love or at least at the very least empathy and kindness but there's a very interesting distinction and that is that attachment lies at least in their mind in a much more possessive sense and that's not necessarily how we would define attachment in like our modern society but just just bear with me as i explain this because i find it rather interesting the way that they think about it because in their minds attachment it comes from deriving a sense of like happiness and fulfillment from your close connection to someone else it doesn't necessarily have to be romantic but it's the mindset of what do you get out of the relationship and ultimately you will fear to lose that happiness or love or fulfillment or whatever you're getting out of that relationship and therefore you will become possessive and more subjective rather than being able to uh, kind of put the needs of a greater group above the needs of the person that you are in love with. And obviously this is a massive oversimplification and it doesn't take into account like healthy boundaries. But even disregarding an extreme example like anakin and anakin's a very interesting interesting like kind of case study about this kind of interpretation of attachment which i'll get into in a little bit but like think about it like if you're extremely close to someone like a spouse or a family member chances are you will put their needs over the needs of a stranger And that goes against Jedi philosophy, and that is what they're trying to prevent. Because this fear of loss and jealousy and greed are seen in tandem with the prospect of romantic attachment. And it's essentially that idea of like losing oneself in another person. Not being able to see past your own needs that are fulfilled by them, and therefore not being able to see past your relationship to them. And the ideal implication of this philosophy is that essentially, Jedi would practice selfless and detached love, which would allow essentially them to put the, the joy and happiness of others above their own, regardless of how close they are to them, and essentially love everybody equally and unequivocally and unconditionally. And I hope that that makes sense because it's essentially saying like you have to be able to, even even your enemies, they're supposed to love everybody in, in their own kind of, of it, which is essentially being able to see other people's joy and fulfillment and be able to isolate yourself from that and still operate with an objective sense of okay this is what's best for these people regardless of how that makes me feel i'm going to be doing I, I need to do what is right here and that's the essential idea of jedi doctrine regarding love and attachment and i think that it's a really interesting philosophy and really interesting to think of psychologically because this is quite this, this removes yourself and your emotions entirely from the picture which I would assume would be pretty scarring. And we get to see the repercussions of that in the Tragedy of Anakin Skywalker. So with all this in mind, what is allowed as far as Jedi romance is concerned? And I try my absolute hardest to keep this podcast very PG, very family-friendly. I try to bleep out any uh, swear words that are said, if at all. So, with that in mind, I'm going to be speaking very vaguely. I think that people who can fill in the gaps will, those who can't won't, and I think that that's just fine. But romance, as it's known to us, was forbidden by the Jedi. Um, They weren't allowed to date, they weren't allowed to marry. That being said, this didn't keep Jedi from having relations, so to speak as long as they maintained the appropriate boundaries, these could be physical or not, so long as they didn't cloud their judgment of the quote-unquote bigger picture, as long as they were allowed to, or as long as they were able to maintain their general objectivity of a given situation without taking into account whatever relationship they had with another individual. That being said, let's dive into some canon examples of Jedi romance that we get to see. And there will be some minor spoilers for Clone Wars, Rebels, stuff like that. Some minor storylines that we go over. I'm gonna be talking a little about a little bit about the High Republic as well. So if you want to avoid those, you can skip this. But if not, I would encourage you to listen because they're not like massive spoilers. But they are uh, small plot points here and there that that I'm going to be going over. So the first one, and I'd say the most significant one, the most well-known one, would be Anakin Skywalker and Padme Amidala. Now, I've talked about this a little bit, but Anakin has a very anxious attachment style, which... I'm going to be talking a little bit about in psychological terms. And that being said, I'm by no means a psychologist. I'm an industrial and systems engineering major, and I took one psychology class my freshman year of college. And so I'm by no means an expert on this. And so if any of y'all are more well-versed in this and I get anything wrong, feel free to write in. Uh, My email address is at twinsuntalks at gmail.com. Or it's just twinsuntalks at gmail.com. But if I get anything wrong, please call me out, and I'd be happy to correct that uh, later down the line but that being said Anakin has a very anxious attachment style and you see that in a lot of different ways so it starts out with him and his mother he doesn't want to leave his mother obviously and this is the this is inherently the reason why the Jedi indoctrinate their their younglings at such a young age is that they don't want them to imprint on the world around them. they simply, um, they want them to only know the Jedi and therefore have no connections to their family, have no connections to their past life. Because if they did, then they could be biased in a certain way, much like Anakin was, because he was taken in at nine years old. He was taken in having experienced the outside world. And Anakin, like like they say, ki adi Mundi says in um, episode one, Phantom Menace, your thoughts dwell on your mother. and He says he misses her. This is obviously a very big source of conflict in the next movie, Attack the Clones, whenever he goes back to Tatooine to find her. But it's this sense of, like, I need to come back. I need to go back to her. I need to save her. And he puts his mandate to protect Padme above or below that. He goes and abandons his post, naturally brings Padme along with him, but still, he allows these emotions to drive him against the mandate given to him by the Jedi. And obviously, when he loses his mother, that's his first real taste of the dark side, and he slaughters the Tuscan village. Past that, he has that same sort of anxious attachment to Obi-Wan. And even after he's been given the rank of knight, and they are operating kind of as partners, he opts to not take a Padawan because he's afraid that it would kind of put a wedge between him and Obi-Wan and that they wouldn't be as close afterwards. And obviously, that isn't what happens. And he's given a Padawan named Ahsoka Tano. And then you get to see his sort of anxious attachment to her after he grows very fond of her. And... Obviously, all of these that I've talked about so far are not romantic, but at the same time, you get to see his attachments and kind of see all of these things culminating in his attachment to Padme. And at this point, obviously, whenever he has Ahsoka as his uh, Padawan, he's already married to Padme in secret and everything like that. But his... Attachment to Ahsoka is really interesting because you see like whenever Ahsoka is kidnapped by the trained ocean hunters He has to kind of learn to let go and to kind of say, okay, I've trained her I've done all that I can do up until this point now. I need to trust her and trust in my training of her and Just hope that she comes back and she does and it's really interesting because I've watched Dave Filoni's behind the scenes on this episode arc where it's it's, it's, it's at ver- the very end of, I think, season three, either season three or season four, when Ahsoka gets kidnapped. And he says that essentially, like, this is essentially what Yoda was hoping for when he gave Anakin a Padawan. It was essentially that idea of, like, learning to let go of... Someone who is very, he's very emotionally tied to. Because Yoda can see that issue with his mother and with just everybody that Anakin's interacting with. He has a very hard time letting go. But he's hoping that through the process of training a Padawan to knighthood and then eventually letting that Padawan go, that he will be able to learn to let go of these attachments. And obviously that doesn't work. But even like with the fact that Anakin changes her lightsaber colors in the seventh season season of the Clone Wars, that in itself is kind of his obsessive like it's obviously it's very well meaning. But at the same time, he completely altered. Not her identity, but just this thing that was very close to her and in tune with her, he altered. And it's kind of like Dave Filoni also said it kind of represents his controlling nature because he's so anxiously Attached to all of these people around him, and then ultimately, what I'm going to be talking about is his attachment to Padme, and this is what causes his turn to the dark side. And this is exactly why Jedi. Th- this is kind of the prime example of why Jedi should not be attached, should not have attachments, because his attachment to Padme, and this culmination, the sphere of the sphere of losing everybody around him. He's already lost Ahsoka. He's already lost his mother. Culminates in this these nightmares of Padme dying in childbirth which ended up being a self-fulfilling prophecy and he will stop at nothing to obtain the power needed to keep her alive and that obviously leads him down the path to the dark side and it's it's really interesting because taken all together it, it makes more sense it makes a lot more sense. But th- th- then, like, if you just watch the movies where the turn feels very sudden and very, very extreme. But at the same time, if you understand Anakin's character more and you see, okay, he really cares so very deeply for everybody around him and he's willing to do whatever it takes to keep those people safe. Um,. You really get a good sense of why he's doing these terrible things. And eventually he figures, okay, you see him, he weeps. He cries on Mustafar because he knows that the things that he's done are really, really terrible. But he's doing them in the name of love. And so, I don't know. It's a rather interesting thing, and I can go more in depth. I love talking about this sort of stuff, and I talked about it a little more in depth uh, back in my episode about The Chosen One. I don't remember which episode number it is, but it's, uh, it's one of my favorite episodes. I love these more conceptual things, uh, topics to talk about. But moving on, I want to talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi and Satine Kreeze. So they started out, uh, whenever Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon were on, assignment to protect her during the uh, Mandalorian Civil War, the New Mandalorian Civil War, whenever it was the schism between the pacifists and the traditionalists of Death Watch. And they kind of were infatuated with each other to an extent uh, during that time period, and they ended up parting ways. He continued his training as a Jedi. She uh, continued to rule Mandalore afterwards, but then they come into contact later and she reveals that she has loved, she has been in love with him always. And then he reveals that if she had said anything about it, then he would have left the Jedi Order. And this is coming from Obi-Wan, who I think is kind of the pinnacle of the ideal Jedi. Even compared to people like Yoda, like he is the... Jedi, like the model Jedi of like staying true to your morals while still being tempted by the dark side, being aware of the shortcomings of the order while also staying true to the ideals that they preach. And even he was like, I would have left. If you had said something, I would have left. And Man, I do love the Obi-Wan and Satine love story. It's super, super sad, but I do really love it. And I won't spoil it anymore. But you, you get to see Obi-Wan dance around the dark side. And he gets pushed to the edge. Obviously, he doesn't fall over, but man. I Watch the Clone Wars. Go back to episodes 2 and 3 of this podcast. Listen to my roadmap. Watch it. I think it's honestly some of the best Star Wars content there is. But moving on, another Clone Wars romance, Quinlan Vos and Asajj Ventress. This is from the Dark Disciple novel, so I won't spoil anything, but essentially they become quite infatuated with each other, and this ultimately leads Quinlan to the dark side, which is a bit of a spoiler, but I won't spoil how it ends but it's very interesting because these are two very broken individuals Asajj being betrayed by her master having lost all of her sisters being kind of outcast being forced to be a bounty hunter. Quinlan never quite fitting in with the Jedi and they're just drawn to each other and there's just like all this bottled up tension that just gets unleashed these two remarkably powerful beings and in this quest to assassinate Count Dooku, they end up falling in love. It's rather, it's rather interesting, and I can't say too much else without, without spoiling it. I'm going to move on now to Rey and Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo. I don't think that this is a love story. I don't think they were ever in love with each other. That's why I find it so interesting that there was a kiss at the end of everything. I kind of hate it. It kind of makes me gag. Um, There was nothing to indicate any sort of romantic anything. But, you know, they did it anyway. I just felt like mentioning it. I don't really have anything to say. Next up, we got Rail Avaros, who we haven't seen on screen, but he was Count Dooku's first Padawan before uh, Qui-Gon Jinn. He was a very... Um, unorthodox Jedi. He was kind of like Anakin where he was taken from his home at an older age. He has a Ringo Vinden accent, um, which is kind of like an outer rim accent, which is portrayed as a southern accent in the audiobooks. And he would drink a lot, which Jedi weren't like not allowed to drink, but they didn't drink in excess. He did. He did drugs. And he hooked up with people. He was kind of like a bad boy in that way, but it was kind of, he was kind of like it was like, well, I'm not attached to these people. It's like purely physical. It's rather interesting and it doesn't it, it, I mean, it makes sense, but at the same time, you don't really see that anywhere else in Star Wars. So Ray, Rail's a rather interesting character and I would um, I would suggest that you listen to both uh, Dooku Jedi Lost and Reed. Uh, Master and Apprentice, both are fantastic books, um, and they they both follow his character ra- rather well. And I think that it's, or uh, more so in Master and Apprentice than Dooku Jedi Lost, but but he's still an interesting character, and I, I would recommend both of those if you want to learn more about him. Next up, we got Kanan Jarrus and Harrison and Dula, and this is rather interesting because I haven't learned. I'm I'm reading a book right now about them which is like a precursor to Star Wars Rebels. um, But they both were rather broken individuals as well. Hera coming from um, kind of an oppressive father and um, in Champs and Dula and Kanan being outcast from the Jedi when he was very young during Order 66. Um, not outcast, but, but um, ostracized from society because he was a Jedi. And they end up finding love together. And I'm really excited to learn more about them. I don't really have too much to say about them, but I wanted to mention them because honestly, they're, they're, they, theirs might be one of my favorite love stories in Star Wars. Um, I, I just think it's very pure and very understated, very subtle, but very beautifully done. Next up, we got Avar, Chris, and Elzar Man, which is rather interesting they're characters from the High Republic era, and there is very strong implications of a past relationship between them, and there's very strong implications that Elzar wants a continuation of that relationship in the present. And Jedi romance was even its own like genre during the time of the High Republic, uh, which is mentioned in The Light of the Jedi, the first of the adult novels of that time period. And I just think that that's rather interesting because it implies that the Jedi were far less rigid about attachments and romance during the time of the High Republic, which is set about 200 to 300 years before the Phantom Menace. And I don't know, I just find that to be a very fascinating concept that it was even like a pop culture thing that the Jedi had these romances, um, like in the far reaches of the Outer Rim, like on these Jedi outposts, like they would fall in love with each other and there'd be these stories uh, these grand stories about them. So I don't know too much about it, but this is just a cool little tidbit that, that it's uh that, that it's something that I'm sure that they're going to expound upon in further um, future projects and stuff like that. But let's move into legends. I don't have quite as much to say about these, but Kiati Mundi is the most interesting one, in my opinion. And he actually had, I think it was four wives and seven daughters. And this is because... And this is in Legends once again, but his uh, species of Serenes, Ki Mundi, is the one with like the long head, uh, who sits on the Jedi Council. He has like the white beard, um, and the reason for this, he was permitted to have these wives because um, his species had a very low birth rate, and especially a very ra- a very low male birth rate, and so they needed essentially help supplanting future generations of the species. And so he was able to have these wives for procreation purposes and actually like was so detached, like was so committed to his detachment that he like a a few of them died at one point and he was just kind of, he kind of shrugged. He was like, okay, which is kind of sadistic. Like he's like almost like a sociopath where nothing matters to him. He has no emotional attachment whatsoever it's kind of creepy another one we have which i have basically nothing to talk about but it's kind of interesting in legends aila secure and kit fisto had a relationship um back in the old republic uh revan and bastila both bastila sean both had a relationship uh after revan was redeemed from the dark side they were married in semi-secret uh and they were kind of ostracized from the Order. Even though they were officially still Jedi, they weren't really accepted. Um, and this is kind of followed in the Revan novel, uh, which isn't canon. But I would highly recommend it because it's really, really interesting. And then Luke Skywalker and Mary Jade. Um, if you're not familiar with the old extended universe, and you might not know this, but it, Luke used to be married. He's not married in canon anymore, as far as we know, but to a woman named Mary Jade, who's apparently a really cool character. I don't know too much about her. Um, but that's that's about all that I have for this episode. I thought that it was a rather interesting topic. That's kind of an anticlimactic thing to end on. Like, I don't know too much about it. Anyways, that's it. But if you want me to read up on any of that, any of those other relationships, then just let me know. Um but that's about all that I have, but this wouldn't be a proper episode if I didn't leave you with just a little bit more. Four. So I'm sure a question that a lot of you would have after going over all that is, what was the Sith philosophy on attachments? And while the Sith didn't have explicit rules against attachments, most forwent such things, seeing them as beneath them. And given that their entire philosophy was kind of built around like dominance and power and betrayal, Any relationship that they did form would likely be purely based in like passion and be a means like to expand their influence and power. Um, And attachment would also be a form of weakness, which is something that the Sith had no tolerance for. So all in all, there was no like explicit, like you cannot do this for the Sith. But at the same time, it was kind of like an unspoken thing where it's like this probably isn't going to work out because it's just kind of a fundamental, like just fundamental contradiction. Like you can't be caring about this person and then be power hungry and only looking out for yourself. So in and of itself, their philosophy kind of didn't afford for, for actual romantic attachment, but that's about all that I have. I hope that y'all have a wonderful Valentine's day, whether you're spending it with yourself or your friends, um, or yourself, but with yourself, your friends, your Boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband, um, partner, whatever you have, uh, I hope that you're having a great one. And uh, that being said, we're done with our book of Boba Fett reviews and breakdowns. I do have a uh, this month's ability to speak to not intelligent coming out soon, so stay tuned for that. Um, and I. Oh, also, just a bit of news. We got a release date for Kenobi, which is May 25th of this year. Super excited for that. And that is all that I have. So make sure that you follow us on Instagram at Twin Sun talks, subscribe to us on YouTube, Twin Sun Talks Podcast, and follow us on any streaming platforms that you may use, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a follow. Um Yeah, you've taken your first steps into a larger world. May the Force be with you, and I will see you all in the next episode. Bye, regs.